Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Malaria is a serious disease that's passed to humans through mosquitoes. The CDC reports that 627,000 people died from the illness in 2020, and most of those cases were children in sub-Saharan Africa. While it impacts populations around the world, Dr. Russell Ware, a pediatric hematologist, says it's a big issue in Africa, India, and Southeast Asia. Because it's such a killer, any DNA mutation that might have occurred that could allow you to survive malaria would continue and would be propagated. And so sickle cell trait is actually a mutation that occurred in multiple locations that allows, that confers a survival advantage against malaria. So sickle cell trait is a good thing to have if you live in sub-Saharan Africa. So that's why trait is so common there because it's a good thing to have. It allows you to survive. However, serious issues arise when two people who both have the sickle cell trait create a baby. There's a 25% chance that their child will end up having sickle cell disease. So it's a really interesting evolutionary phenomenon. It's like one copy of the gene is protective and two copies are fatal. Where is the director of hematology at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center and specializes in sickle cell disease? This umbrella term includes sickle cell anemia, which is an inherited chronic blood disorder that can result in death if left untreated. So sickle cell anemia is probably the worst disease that most people don't know about because it's an inherited genetic blood disorder that causes a lot of morbidity, pain, early mortality for Americans, particularly African-Americans. The CDC reports that one out of every 365 African-Americans are born with the condition. But even with 100,000 Americans being diagnosed, Ware says it's still a neglected disease. Dr. Grace Animo, a pediatric hematologist-oncologist, is hoping to change this pattern through her work with the American Sickle Cell Association. She says the first step is spreading awareness of the condition. It's one of the most common genetic diseases that we have here in the United States. And what happens is in this disorder, there is a mutation in the genes that govern the red cells so that instead of the red cells that are being produced having a nice round shape, they tend to have a crescent shape like a half moon. And this interferes with the activity and function. Healthy red blood cells are round and contain hemoglobin, which is a protein that carries oxygen to the rest of the body. But people with sickle cell have abnormal hemoglobin, which makes the cells form into a crescent shape that's hard and sticky. This change causes them to get stuck and clog blood flow, resulting in infections, pain, and heart issues. The sickle cells also die much earlier than healthy ones, causing a constant shortage of red blood cells. Animo specializes in sickle cell disease because of her personal experience growing up in Nigeria. I immigrated to the States from a country that has the highest rate of sickle cell disease. So I saw it in my family, friends, 
you know, colleagues, it wasn't a mysterious disorder for me. So when she landed in Cleveland, Ohio, Animo jumped at the chance to work with the American Sickle Cell Association. So the American Sickle Cell Association is a Cleveland-based organization, and it has been in existence for at least half a century. So they have been here for a very long time. And their function is to provide a wide range of medical, social work-oriented services to individuals and families who have been diagnosed with either the sickle cell disease or the sickle cell trait. So they're going to provide confirmatory testing for sickle cell and other red cell-related disorders. They're going to provide counseling to the affected patients and families and caregivers they are going to follow this patient for life. Since it's a chronic disorder, patients will battle with sickle cell disease their entire life. The only known cure at the moment is a bone marrow transplant, but Ware says these procedures are rare. Instead, the illness is manageable with daily medication, just like for someone who has high blood pressure or diabetes. Up until recently, the only drug that was used is called hydroxyurea. It was identified almost 40 years ago, and it's an incredibly powerful potent medicine to treat the side of the uh, symptoms and signs of sickle cell anemia. And it does it in a way that wasn't really predicted. It actually boosts a, a kind of blood element called fetal hemoglobin, and it reverts back to the way we make our blood when we're infants. And this protects blood against sickling. So it's a very powerful drug. It's very easy to take. It's an oral medicine. So you swallow the capsules once a day and you go on about your business. So it has a lot of attraction as a treatment, a therapeutic treatment for sickle cell. But sickle cell wasn't the first application for hydroxyurea. It was discovered more than 100 years ago and was initially used as a chemotherapy drug for leukemia. Scientists then realized its benefits in treating HIV before eventually getting hydroxyurea FDA-approved for sickle cell. It was used at different doses, so don't think of it as hydroxyurea for sickle cell patients as chemotherapy. That's a big mistake that sometimes is made. We're not using it the same way. We're not using it for the, the same effect at all. So we don't want to call it an anti-HIV medicine. We don't want to call it a cancer treatment. We want to call it a sickle cell treatment. The dose that's used to treat sickle cell is taken once a day for many years. Ware says that there's almost no side effects to hydroxyurea when it's used to treat this disease. I've been treating some patients for well over 20 years with hydroxyurea. And the good news is it works just as well after 20 years as it did at the beginning. And it works just as well for infants and children as it does for adults, maybe even better. It's almost like taking a vitamin. You just got to take it and go about your business. So it's more about remembering it. There's very few side effects associated with the dose itself. Which is wonderful because for decades, it was the only option. A few new medications have been approved since 2017, giving patients and medical providers more choices for treatment. But just like with many other chronic diseases, treatments can be expensive. Ware and his colleagues recently published a study in Pharmacoeconomics that looks at the cost-effectiveness of treating low-income patients with hydroxyurea. They set the study in the East African country of Uganda and reviewed the difference of patients taking a smaller and therefore cheaper dose of medication, the ideal dose that requires more blood tests or no treatment at all. Is it worth doing it? What if you have to do extra blood tests to get that better dose? What's the cost effectiveness of dose escalation in a poor country? 
And the answer there was clear too, that it was much more cost-effective to increase the dose because any expense you had by taking a little more medicine or having a blood count done more frequently was more than offset by not being in the hospital. Ware says these results also translate to patients in America. Every study that's been done in the U.S. that's looked at hospital charges and other things very much show that it's cost-effective to be on hydroxyurea versus nothing at all. So sickle cell patients, if they're untreated, this is like the kinds of patients that I took care of when I started my medical training, when there was no medicine. And you didn't know if they were going to come in with a pain crisis next week, or they might have a pneumonia and get really sick from that. They could have a stroke and come in as their first presentation. So children and adults with sickle cell who are not treated are not protected from any of the clinical events that happen. The good news is that Ware says using hydroxyurea as a treatment for sickle cell doesn't often cause a substantial amount of financial stress. Because the drug was first identified to have a clinical activity back in the 1960s, no company owns a patent on it and nobody has any ability to control the price. So each capsule of hydroxyurea is about 50 cents, which in pharmaceuticals is nothing, right? Um, so you can treat a patient all year long and do multiple blood tests for probably $1,000. Now, the new medicines that are coming out are more like $100,000 a year. And so there, the cost-benefit ratio is more of a question. But a preventive medicine like hydroxyurea is very cheap. Now in America, every baby is tested for sickle cell disease as a part of regular newborn screenings. Ware says hydroxyurea is the standard of care for kids at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, even if they haven't yet developed any symptoms from the disease. This is a philosophical shift, too. It used to be that we would wait until they start to have pain, pneumonia, sickle cell problems, and then say, okay, let's put you on medicine. But then we've evolved over the last 10 years to say we can prevent these problems. We should start the babies when they're 6, 12 months of age before they develop sickle cell complications. And that's what we do at Cincinnati Children's. So all of our children, all of our babies and toddlers are on hydroxyurea and they stay on that. And most of them do so well that they don't have to consider adding a second medicine on. But in our opinion, every patient should be on hydroxyurea as the standard of care and optimize the dose. And then if they still need something, you could consider a second medicine. Unfortunately, these treatments only work if the patients and parents of patients understand how serious this disease is. I always say education is power. I have seen patients get educated, and that's changed the entire scope of the disease for them. Because for one, they gained understanding into what or how this disease was affecting their bodies and their daily function. They were able to understand the changes they needed to make in their daily routine, be it taking their medications, be it coming for treatment, scheduled treatments in the hospital, you know, to change the entire course of the disease. Which is why the American Sickle Cell Association can be such a great resource for patients and families. And while it's currently a lifelong disease for most patients, Ware says that the advancements in gene editing technology may let us eventually be able to correct this genetic disease before the baby is even born. You can find more information about Dr. Russell Ware, Dr. Grace Animo, and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. 
Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. I can't be penniless, worried about my life, worrying about my dog getting killed. I can't worry about my job. I have to just put my head down and make this relationship work. The psychology of toxic relationships. Then are energy drinks safe for kids to consume? The problem with caffeine, which is the most common stimulant, is that it has a drug-like effect on the body to give energy. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. Our kids today are getting messages from the media, from their peers, from their peers' parents, teachers, coaches, to achieve, to achieve, to achieve. With so much pressure, when is there time to enjoy being young? Then the problem is not with the technology, but the planning for end of life. And one of the challenges that we see is 90% of end of life panels end up in the landfill. America's growing solar panel problem. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal.